from the blue waters of the Chesapeake Bay to the San Gabriel Mountains in Los Angeles, California, the Weston Peachtree Plaza in Atlanta, Georgia, and the Capitol Building in Washington, D.C., or Arlington, wherever, or whichever you prefer. Um, the Sons of Saturday are on the air. Shout out Sons. to Sons. Shout out to Bill Roth. I kind of stole your thing, but so did Pat a couple weeks ago, so we're not going to worry about it. Guys, we are back from our little holiday hiatus, if you would like to call it that. Uh, we really weren't on that long. I guess I was. I wasn't on the last episode, but we are going to kick it off tonight just like we always do, Hokey Haiku. Um, I wrote this, okay? Mm. Yeah, I wrote this. Um, this is a Grayson Wimbush original. Here we go. Rushing quarterback. Bud's kryptonite strikes again. Hokies are sad. We're sad, Jay. <laughs> Hokies are sad, comma, Jay, because that was only four syllables. So. Yeah. Hokies are sad, Jay. Um, headlines. We got some news. Bill, you want to take it from here? Yeah, we got a lot going on. Like you said, we've been uh, you know, enjoying family, friends, unlimited sushi, as we talked about on the last episode. Um, Grayson's been back on the East Coast or wasn't back on the East Coast, so uh, a lot's been going on here um, as of late. Uh, we are here on January 6th, Monday at 10.50 p.m. EST. Um, it should be National Championship Monday uh, for any of those in charge of scheduling in the NCAA, but I don't know if... Any of them tuned in this week, but if you know one, let one know. Um, in news around Hokie Land and ACC Land, Brian Mitchell landed on his feet. He will be coaching defensive backs at NC State. They could use some help over there, for sure. Um, Daz Newsom will be returning to the Tar Heels offense next year. Insert not, not something, not what not you want to hear. Um, insert nope, don't like that Michael Scott gif. Um, we have no word yet on a defensive line coach. There is speculation out there. Uh, Patrick, what is the speculation? What are you hearing? What, what ears to the streets? What do you got? If, if your ear has been, if you're lying on the street and you're just, you know, pressing firmly, pressing your ear lobes to the street, you might be hearing the ghouls and gremlins of the sewers saying that Bill Tierlink from uh from the Buffalo Bills is going to be our next defensive line coach. I don't know how much truth there is to this. They're saying this on the Twitter sphere. They're saying this on the 247 Sports uh message boards and uh we haven't, you know, there's no, been no um no truth to this rumor yet. So this Bill Tierlink guy actually has a heck of a resume and he's buddies with coach Fuente. They coached at Illinois State uh, together back a couple, uh, many moons ago, I should say. But um, if it's Bill, that's a splash hire. I guess we'll find out this week. You know, it's Monday night. We still don't have a hire for a defensive line. We still don't have a uh, designation for cornerbacks coach either. But uh, only time will tell. Got to be patient. Hokie Nation will be fine. Um, Bill, continue with the uh, the news here. Absolutely. Um, so... Today on the Twitter sphere again, we saw a wonderful mosaic, um, emotion striking, tear jerking, heart palpitation inflicting photo of two 
amazing Hokies. Uh, Coach Foster and Charlie Wiles headed out to PK's, probably got the kitchen sink sandwich and took a picture of the uh, of the lunch pail that was gifted from Coach Foster to Coach Wiles. Just two absolute icons in this town and to the school. Um, and it truly is the end of an era and um, brought a smile to your face if you're invested into this uh, into this team or this university at all. And um, you know, I have nothing but positive things to say about both of them. Um, there's a picture of Coach Foster leaving his office as well for the last time as a uh, as an employee or as a staff member of the Virginia Tech football pro, uh, team and the defensive coordinator. So, guys, um, great picture, huh? Just, uh, just, um, wow. I must say, it had to be a real, real tough day to be a pitcher slash slice of pizza at PKs. I mean. Those boys were probably throwing them down. That was an awesome picture. Loved, the, loved how both of them were rocking the flannel as well as the, uh, the Blacksburg winter, January. Uh, it's, it's a little cold out there. But, uh, Grayson, what are, you, what are your thoughts, man? Well, I just think, you know, they always say that blood is thicker than water. But in, in this case, I think that that water is, is pretty cohesive there. Um, it's... It's been a really, really special relationship, and it's been a, a pleasure watching these two uh, turn our defense into a perennial powerhouse over the years. I think these, I think Coach Foster and I think Coach Wiles really do love each other, and um, it's a testament to Coach Wiles because Coach Foster has only given one pail away to Daryl Tapp, who is now a defensive assistant under Coach Hamilton's staff, Yiggy, and. Um, so I agree that it was probably a bad day to be a pitcher or a slice of pizza at PKs. But, boys, this is where we got to give some love to our guys over at Sharky's. That's where good friends go. Uh, that's where we eat wings, and I eat my beloved, you know I'm, you know I got to say it, boys, my beloved California burger, so Cali, so Cal. Um, and uh, and it's it's where good friends go, boys. Shout out to Sharkies, and uh, thank you so much for for rocking with the Sons of Saturday, Bill. You were uh, you were telling us before we got on here, we started recording. So many people with that prediction, man, on Twitter. I wish oh we scored gosh. as many points as there were predictions uh, for the leading scorer. Rough watch, um, tough hang. The UVA Virginia Tech game, but you know what? We're we're building, as we've said countless times. My guy is uh, is we're fully behind him. We got some youngsters in there, uh, but sending out a ton of Sharkies gift cards. By the way, um, let's not be the sons of sin. If you know after the game when somebody scores, let's not let's not get on the fib machine here. We can see the timestamps. Let's be sons of uh, of stand up guys and gals. Okay, let's uh, let's do that. Let's be sons of stand up guys and gals. Um, regardless, I'm here for that <laughs> regardless. Uh, gift cards are headed your way. Um, what's not going to be a gift to many and will be a gift to many is the outlook of this Belk Bowl. Happy, sad. But before we get into the game itself, let's talk about where we watched it. Grayson, where did you watch it? Well, before I tell you all where I watched it, I think we have to uh, we have to shout out one more person. That person would be Deshaun McLeese. Sean McLeese declared for the draft today. Congratulations to Deshaun McLeese. Easily 
the MVP in my eyes, at least on the hokey side of the ball of the Belk Bowl. Um, he's had a great career. He's graduating with two degrees from Virginia Tech. I know he has an, a year of eligibility left, but go get yours, Sean. Uh, what what a hokey through and through. So congratulations to him. As far as where I watched, I was uh, I was in Washington D.C. or just outside of there, actually where Patrick Finn lives currently in Arlington, Virginia. I was hanging out with Cole DeLucas, Emily Smith, and a lot of my college friends. Shout out to Mike Orcutt. Um, and we were watching it in in my buddy Cole's apartment living room right before going to the Gaylord National for New Year's Eve. And uh, it was it was nice, cozy environment. Not my typical jocks or dailies, not my typical uh, being there in person. So it was nice to watch it somewhere else. However, it, that I don't know. I'm very superstitious, so I don't want to sit here and say it didn't affect the outcome of the game because maybe so. Boys, where did you watch, Pat? Yeah, I, uh, I was out at the Dewey Beach. This is a first-time experience. I knew uh, a lot of Hokies like to go to Dewey Beach uh, on their vacations and uh, had a couple friends, had a large group of friends actually rented a house for New Year's Eve, and uh, it was an awesome time. But we went to the uh, the Starboard at Dewey Beach, watched the uh, the first half there, watched the second half back at the place, and uh, the first half was a lot a lot better than the second half as far as uh, you know our satisfaction levels with the game but how about you bill what'd you do i take after uh take after my father and the fact that unless i'm with a bunch of people that want to go out i like to sit down don't have music on i just like to sit down and watch the game was home with papa mitchell was home with jackson mitchell was home with maddie rivera who you met pat a west virginia mountaineer fan turned virginia tech fan uh surprising turnaround there and um my grandfather grandpa burkopen and uh sat on the couch in westwood new jersey and watched the game um and uh that's where i watched it and like you said great first half not so great second half but um let's just dive right into this right now talk about the belk bowl here i I mean, there's a lot to unpack here. I think what we can, the best way to go about it is to talk about the gripes. So let's talk about the things that weren't so great about this game. Pat. Okay. Let's rip the Band-Aid off here. A lot of folks have been talking about the fourth quarter and the clock management or as far as like, um, you know, game management on offense, a little on the conservative side. And that, you know, our conservative approach uh, under the play calling of Cornelson lost us the game. I agree with that in the fact that the conservative play calling was not what you want. It was more of a playing not to lose rather than playing to win, run it down their throat and uh, get out of here with a win. But I, I don't think you can blame the offense on this loss. I think you need to blame the defense. And, I mean, there's there's a lot that goes into this, but you had an entire month to prepare for literally one person. And the show that this guy put on, Lin, ba- uh, Lin Bowden, he tore us up. He made us look stupid on that last drive. 18 plays, 8-plus minutes, and 
you know, completed one of his only passes of the game on fourth down. Um, you know, you can't let that happen. Yeah, Pat. No, I'm I'm with you, man. And and it's no secret. I always say it. I uh, I have my gripes with Coach Corn, but guys, you got to understand, Coach Corn. Really, I mean, we put 30 points on these guys. Kentucky has not had 30 points scored on them in three years. They play in the SEC. They play Alabama. They play the likes of LSU. They play these tough teams, and these teams can't put 30 on them. We were the ones to do it for the first time in three years. So I really don't think, as much as it pains me to say that you can put this on the offense, you really can't. If defense does their job and gets stops, we win. And how poetic. I'm always talking poetry. Bud's kryptonite, like I said in the Hokie Haiku, was his final downfall. Guys, this was bad. A really bad showing by our defense. And it's very frustrating. Um, I will. It's very hard for me to talk bad about Coach Foster. He's one of the best to ever do it. I'm, I will never, ever deny that. Or try and talk you out of that. But you, you guys need to understand. You look at the numbers. Lynn Bowden Jr. rushed for 233 out of Kentucky's 331 rushing yards. Like Pat said, you had a one man to stop and a month to prep for it. Why can't you stop him? Is it that hard? I don't understand. He has two rushing touchdowns, one of which was that 61-yarder right after that air-quote pass interference that Armani Chapman allegedly had. Yeah, okay, Mr. Zebra, whatever, whatever. And he throws for 79 yards, but he can't throw. Coach Foster apparently was telling this to our defensive backs all week. Now, I get it. Farley and Jermaine Waller did not play. I don't care. They shouldn't have to. This dude is a glorified wide receiver. He can't throw. How, I just don't get it. And as comparison, look at look at the game before. You had all the film. All the film was right there. Bryce Perkins rushed for 164 yards against us, against UDA. Out of their 181 rushing yards in that game, he threw for 311 yards. Bryce Perkins cannot throw. It's the exact same thing. I just I don't understand... For as good of a defensive coordinator as Coach Foster has been and forever always will be, why, why it, the inability to stop one-man team? What do Kentucky and UVA have in common? They're one-dimensional. One player is their entire offense. All you got to do is stop them, and we can't do it. So where do we go from here? Well, honestly, y'all... I, don't, I can't speak for Bill and Pat, but I am ready for a change at defensive coordinator. I kind of have been now for the past like three to five years. I think we do need some new blood there. I, the, the inability to stop the scrambling QB has gotten very frustrating. I love Coach Foster. I always will. But it's, I'm, I'm ready to move on. For, I'm, ready, I'm hoping that Coach Ham can bring a new energy, a new strategy, revitalize our defense and I hope he makes the right hire at D-line and I think he's made a great hire with Coach Tapp another thing guys and Pat and Bill I want you to weigh in on this okay um Fuente Coach Fuente who I have I've had his back since day one he is now one in three in bowl games 
all three losses to Oklahoma State, Cincinnati, and the University of Kentucky, they all should have been victories. Every single one of them. We had a lead at one point in every single one of those games. This is my opinion, guys. And then, and then I, want you, I want to hear what you have to say. The streak means nothing if you don't win the bowl games. And, and I'm tired of leaving the football season with a sour taste in my mouth. I haven't been happy about a football season since after twenty after the 2016 season, after we won the belt bowl and came back. It's like after the Cincinnati game last year, I, w- I was just so disappointed. After this game, so angry and disappointed. Guys, Bill, you played. How do you feel right now? Be honest. How do you, how do you feel? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a, a, a fair... Um pain point there with ending the season on a sour note obviously uh the last taste is going to be the greatest taste left in your mouth uh as you walk away from from the season for better or for worse whether that's fair or not um but before i get into that i do kind of want to talk about some of the uh occurrences in the game and kind of the overreactions and and things that kind of got under my skin with the with the coaching and play so my biggest gripes from this game Time management right before halftime was much more of a frustration point for me than it was uh, down at the end of the game. Um, I think that we got the ball back with enough time to do something and kind of went into it with the expectation of, hey, let's run the clock out, go into halftime, and um, that came back to bite us in the butt, to be completely honest. Um, That's kind of been, not the MO, but something that we do fairly often, getting the ball at... Uh, with a decent amount of time on the clock and not being as aggressive as one may like. So that was something that I didn't love. And I also didn't like that we didn't take a timeout at any point during that final drive. On the final drive that Kentucky had, you had third down and one. uh, And this just goes to the lack of execution that I think haunted this team as well. They were forced into a third down and one where he had a missed tackle. Uh, He was bottled up, completely missed the tackle. And then you move forward into the drive, a fourth and seven rollout pass. It was the first completion of the second half. We showed that we were bringing six and only brought three and a half. Let them outside uh, and dumped the ball to the tight end. Would have loved to see a timeout there to get a review on that on that play. Um, but Coach Fuente did mention in the post game that the officials told him it had already been looked at and there wasn't a reason to to take that timeout. Had another fourth and two. Uh, the play that was the quote-unquote fumble play. And then the, there was a second and eight where if you tackle him in bounds with around 18 seconds left, um, they're going to have to burn that last time out and be around the 20. So at some point during that drive, the entire drive I'm watching it, and I'm saying, this is not good, this is not good. And everyone in the room is like, dude, relax. Like There's a minute and 10 seconds left. They need a, they need a touchdown. Like You're freaking out. I'm like, no. I was in South Bend, Indiana, in the middle of the country, and I watched this exact thing happen. Uh, a little bit over a month ago, and I was just waiting for us to take a time out, settle down, refocus, maybe give the guys a, a chance to get some Gatorade, talk about, you know, hone in on our keys, hone in on what we're expecting, and um, it just was a was an absolute killer. Um, aside from that, Pat, well, Pat, did you have any other gripes with, with kind of coaching decisions or time management? We'll get into kind of play on the field after that. You mentioned the end of the first half and the super conservative, you know, run the clock out and let's go into the lo- go into the locker rooms here, um, knowing that Kentucky's getting the ball back to start the second half. 
Don't like that. But also, I mean, you just mentioned the Notre Dame game. The Notre Dame game, the Virginia game, and this Kentucky Bowl game all ended so similarly where uh, the opposing team scores with less than enough time to get back on the field and have our guys go out there and try to put together, you know, a one or two minute drill and go down and win the game, you know, a la Ryan Willis uh, against Carolina last year. So I think that if you kind of put those three games together and look at our, our game management, our clock management on offense uh, in the fourth quarter, you know, that's, really something that we should take a magnifying glass to and try to make some some fixings on because you know and i just said that you know you can't blame the offense but this is definitely a gripe as far as the offense goes i i have uh i have a lot more gripes with the defense than the offense but if you want to you know pick your nits with the offense it has to be with the type of game management uh when you really need uh, to take advantage. As far as uh, the other big coaching decision that we'll, we'll all weigh in on here is not going for the touchdown in fourth and three with 13-23 left in the game. Um, I can understand the viewpoint of wanting to step on the throat, wanting to win the game and put, put the game away. Here's my counter to that. I essentially am in the corner of you take the points and then you expect your defense to get a turnover, force a three and out. You're not going to not see the football again. And on Twitter, a lot of people were – I don't know if they had hit their heads or they had forgotten. People were acting like it's the last time that we saw the football and that just simply wasn't true. The 13-23 mark, you kick the field goal and Kentucky actually ends up going three and out. Or I'm sorry, uh, turns the ball over and we get the ball right back. Um, through an interception. Um, yeah, Breon Murray. Exactly, Breon Murray with the interception. And then we're right around midfield. And again, coming back to lack of execution, Corn dials up a slant uh, that goes uh, past the sticks, plenty of room wide open, ball hits, uh, you know, Hendon does his drop, hits H- Hazleton right in the hands, and it was a drop out of a, lo- a, a large amount of drops that we had on Monday. Um, and it just goes along with that lack of execution is we weren't able to capitalize on that. And then you give the ball back to Kentucky and they have the drive where you don't, uh, get to see the football again. So that was really kind of what summed it up there is I think you take the points, trust your defense and it ended up working. We just didn't execute on the play where we should have, we catch that ball. It's first down, uh, and the game's probably over. You're in field goal range. You probably just kill the clock, go up two scores. Um, but that was kind of my thought process on uh, not going for it. Um, anything else you guys have just in terms of kind of this game, frustration points? Or Grayson, I'm sure you have a rebuttal for uh, for that um, for that goal line move. Well, you know, I I think you go for it. Honestly, because I just saw, I'm like, I've seen this movie. I've seen this movie. We're going to kick the field goal and it's going to be for nothing. I literally tweeted it. I was like, that field goal is worthless. It's completely worthless because they're going to march down the field, take all the time off and score right there at the last second. Guess what? That's what happens. But that's not what happened. But that's not what happened. We got the ball back. There was 13-23 left. We got we got exactly what we wanted. You kick the field goal, you go you go up more than a field goal. 
Okay, so they're they're playing for a touchdown. We say, you know what? I trust our defense. They're going to roll out there and they're going to make a stop, or we're going to have enough time to get the ball back. You force you force the turnover around midfield. The offense's job is to get a first down. We call the play good enough to make that happen and didn't convert. And then at the end of the day, to be completely honest, against any other scheme of offense, eight minutes left with a quarterback who is one-dimensional and, and, to be honest, turns the ball over a decent amount, I like our odds with him having to score a touchdown. Credit to him. Seriously, credit to him. A lot of people are we're talking trash about him. You know, he, He's obviously not... The nicest individual, to put it lightly, he's not a very likable individual if you're not a Kentucky fan. Lynn Bowden is about that action boss. He led his team down the field, scored a touchdown. He was absolutely unstoppable, but you know, I, I, I don't think it's completely ludicrous to, to, to do what we did. And we got exactly what we wanted to get. We just simply didn't convert on that third down. Um, and obviously there are other but- plays in the game. Go ahead. No, I understand that. It's just a matter of like, you know, I don't think that that as as for the most part, for the most part, as well as the offense played defense, do your dadgum job. How hard is it to stop that kid? Like, I, I just that's that is my frustration. It should not be the offense's job. This is Bud Foster. We're talking about stop Lynn Bowden. He's their entire offense. It ain't that hard. Like I said, you have a month to prepare for this kid. You shouldn't have to rely on the offense. That's all I'm going to say. You know, I'm, I'm not trying to get heated or anything. Yeah, you know, I'm kind of heading in that direction, but it's just, it's ridiculous. It's year in and year out, and I'm, I am ready for a change. You know, figure that crap out. Figure out how to stop a mobile quarterback. We're the lunch pail defense. We're Virginia Tech defense. Heck, we invented the mobile quarterback with Michael Vick. If anyone should be able to stop it, it's us. And and I don't know why we can't. So that's all I'm going to say. And to transition, to transition here, I, I want to say this. And and you may disagree with me. You may agree with me. We don't win 10 games next season. I, uh, I think I'm done with Fuente. We don't win 10, 10 games next next season. I think I think we need to clean house. I'm going to say that right now. My patience is wearing very very thin. Um, that's all I'm going to say. You know, people that might stir up some controversy. I've I've been a Fuente backer from the get go, but I, I it is ten wins or bust next season. Pat, what do you what what do you say? So, uh, um, to revisit here. Uh, I would say I'm in the camp of um, the fact that if Hazleton makes that catch, he picks up that first down, we drive down, and we end up winning the ball game. I thought that um, that's where I stand on that. As far as uh, with Fuente here, uh, expectations, I'm going to go, you know, nine and three. And, you know, we have to win the bowl game to make it 10 wins, you know, 10 and four if we lose to Clemson in the ACC championship game. Um, I'm not expecting a ten and two season. I'm I'm just not. Yeah, I mean, I think I think expectations are high, and expectations deserve to be high. You're bringing everybody back. Um, uh, there is a lot in the air in terms of 
um, in terms of the defense, in terms of who may or may not enter the transfer portal. But I, I definitely think that's a fair assessment. With that being said, um, it's very easy, coming back to your original question, Grayson, it's very easy to kind of look at this season in a negative light because of the result of this bowl game. And I think if if we take a second and, as Pat likes to say, zoom out and look at kind of where we are, um, this was destined to be the year the, the bowl streak ends. This was destined to be the year that, you know, the wheels are falling off. And to be honest, Coach Fuente, Coach, uh, Coach Korn, the entire offense really did a great job coming together and being one of the better offenses in the conference. Um, and deservedly so there are going to be high expectations next year that i think we're going to meet i'm very uh very bullish on this next season next year uh and i think 10, 10 i think 10 wins is the uh is the um i'm sorry is going to be the expectation so it has uh, to be it has to be the expectation man that like of uh, this was the season dude our our schedule was so cupcake that, that i mean it really should have happened this year it really should have. And next next year, our schedule's harder, man. Obviously, you know, some people are frustrated, myself included. You can kind of feel that on on, on the Twitter sphere, as uh, as people as people call it. Um, some people are more optimistic than others. That's great. Um, next week, we're gonna kind of delve into that. Talk about okay, where do we go from here? What are our expectations in 2020? Yada yada yada. Don't want to focus on that too much today. Um, something we do want to talk about, and I'm going to let Pat spearhead this, but we're going to talk about the transfer portal because that was such a huge thing last year that people were kind of freaking out. But before I pass it to uh, to Mr. Finn, I'd like to say if, if a player announces that they're going to tr- enter the transfer portal, don't tweet at them. Leave them alone. It's their decision. You know what? If, at the end of the day, they got to do what's best for them. You may be surprised by some of the people who may transfer. Guess what? They got to do what's best for them. Pat, kind of walk us through the transfer portal situation last year and 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 kind of take us through what happened with that and what maybe you can expect this year, if you don't mind. Go ahead. Yeah, and Gray, thanks for uh, talking about that as far as, you know, don't, don't tweet at players if it's anything but positive stuff. I mean, these are kids who are 18 to 22 years old who don't get paid to do this. They got to balance their course, their coursework. Uh, you know, it's an extremely uh, time-consuming thing that they do uh, when they got to get up early and work out and practice and whatnot. And for you to tweet negative things at them is just like, come on. These, it's not like Antonio Brown. You could say whatever you want about Antonio Brown. Be my guest, but uh, don't be <laughs> tweeting that. <laughs> Uh, Hokies if they're not performing to your standards. But anywho, the transfer portal in January and February of 2019, we were transfer portal U. At least that's what everyone else in the Coastal was saying. That's what everyone else in the ACC was saying because, you know, face it, like everyone was going in the portal. And frankly, if you take this long list of guys who jumped in the portal said goodbye Blacksburg I'm going to find my greener pasture and go find it one year later we're going to take a look at that and see that you know maybe the grass wasn't so much greener on the other side but Trayvon Hill 
he spent his entire afternoon on his butt because Dalton Keene was a battering ram and was throwing him on the ground the entire game. Shout out to DK18. Uh, Sean Savoy was moved from wide receiver to cornerback at Maryland. Uh, DeAndre Planton, I'm not sure. I think, did he go to CCU or was it North, North Texas. Texas? Do you guys North know? Texas. North Texas. Yeah, not sure what's going on with the mean green in North Texas. Uh, Nathan Proctor, who left to go to Maryland right before the season, I uh, didn't hear too much out of him. Eric Kuma, one of the loudest guys out there on the Twittersphere, is a uh, he redshirted. He redshirted this past year. He played in a couple games, played against Tech. You know, the trash talk was there on Twitter. It was there, uh, and Eric Kuma didn't do much of anything this year as well. To be fair, John- to be fair, it was a med- it was a medical red shirt. So just to just to be fair, uh, transferred to Old Dominion, but obviously didn't work out the way um, that maybe not the greener pastures that as expected. Thank you, Bill. Love the uh, love the clarity there. Chris Cunningham, a little bit of the same. Uh, I don't think he did anything against us uh, in his transferring and participation uh, at Old Dominion. Uh, Josh Jackson. I was rooting for Josh. I wanted Josh to do pretty well. He uh, he lit it up in his first couple games. I mean, the Maryland Terps were averaging like 70 points a game after two games. And, you know, I, they were the dark horse to win the playoff, right? I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Josh Jackson ended up completing 47% of his passes on the year. So uh, I don't know what was going on there. Probably a Mike Loxley thing because that guy cannot coach football. Um, but... You know, clearly the grass was not necessarily greener up in the college park. If we really evaluate the portal, we've only really been burned two times by the portal, I would say. Uh, Khalil Pimpleton, who had a uh, who has had a great career at Central Michigan, uh, wide receiver, and Trayvon McMillan. I mean, Trayvon McMillan left after the 2016 uh, campaign. And he went out to Colorado and rushed for over a thousand yards in 2017. Um, so I was always a big McMillan fan. I think uh, that Fuente's offense just didn't really fit his style. Um, but you know, the only times we've really been burned by the portal are those two. And then, you know, if we're talking about Dorian Finney-Smith and Jalen Hudson and uh, Robert Brown. We're talking about, about basketball here. Uh, Southwest Philly floater guy, Ty Garland, and, of course, Harry Blackshear uh, Jr. Those are some guys who we've been burned uh, from entering the basketball version of the portal. But I will say, as far as, uh, as, far as football goes, it hasn't been too bad so far. Um, and we've definitely had our fair share of benefiting from the portal as well. We got our guy Willis. We got our guy Damon Hazelton. And then the ultimate 2020 free man, Mr. Brock Hoffman, free Brock Hoffman. He is free, and he's ready to wreak havoc here uh, this upcoming year. But, uh, yeah, the, the portal, it's a mystery. It truly is. It's become quite the uh, quite the spectacle here. Can't forget the Hendon Hooker. We almost lost him and McLeese to it last year. But uh, let's just hope uh, it doesn't do us any negative favors this this uh this winter and i don't think it will as far as that goes guys what is your past present future insights on uh this portal madness i think uh like you said a couple episodes ago pat it's just it's a part of college football right and 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 grayson you alluded to this and and i think we all agree on this i mean 
you know, it's easy to kind of look back and, and point fingers and, and, and do report cards and it's, it's due diligence. You know, I have no problem with doing it. Um, but, you know, none of us or, or no fan or, or anybody um, is really in a position to tell someone like Eric Kuma, like Chris Cunningham, like DeAndre Planton or, or any of these guys, what makes them happy. Like you said, you're going to have to get up early. You're going to have to work out. You're going to have to do all these things. You, you have family to see. You have, you know, different schemes that different coaches run and you want to be in the position that's best for you. So, you know, I, being on kind of both sides of it, it's it's kind of easy to 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 point and be you know kind of seek joy or seek redemption in the fact of seeing someone not do well or or anything like that and I and I don't I know that nobody on this podcast is wishing for that but um, I I think just really kind of taking a step back and realizing that these are eighteen to twenty three twenty four year old kids um, just trying to find where they're happy. Uh, like you said, doing something for free that is extremely difficult. Um, you know, uh, I just I just want to see everybody kind of land on their feet and just be happy with what they're doing. Um, but it's a part of college football. It's it's not something that's going to change. Um, as you said, Virginia Tech, or as we've said, Virginia Tech has kind of been a mainstay where consistency is is very prominent and it's the same coaches it's the same schemes and you're starting to see some turnover and maybe some turnover in philosophy as well uh, and the way that we recruit and you have to understand that with that is going to come people that are looking to play their final year or play their final two years of eligibility in a in a larger role than they may see here so uh, you're going to get some you're going to lose some and you kind of just hope i hope that virginia tech ends up uh ends up benefiting from it. Uh, Grayson, do you have any kind of other thoughts on that? Stamp. That's all I got to say. Stamp. Excellent. Uh, <laughs> Pat, you uh, you wanted to talk about uh, a certain young buck that's up and coming who is, quite frankly, setting the world on fire, and every hokey faithful should be very, very excited about. Who Who is that young man? Double D. AKA D, AKA Demetrius Davis, Texas to VT movement, uh, the pioneer, one of the pioneers of all that. D, D, hey, what D. are you doing in my laboratory? <laughs> oh, God. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, did, you, did you not watch Dexter's Laboratory? <laughs> I did, I did. Uh, this DD is a lot better You're than that. You're a jerk! DD. Oh my gosh! <laughs> uh, so my my guy, my guy Mateus, follow him on the Twitter sphere. He's got great content. He's a, he's an inside scoop guy. He put out a lot of great information about our guy DD uh, earlier this week. So, just for reference, in two years as starter at at North Shore. Uh, in Texas here, Houston area, 100 total touchdowns. He's thrown for over 5,700 yards. He's rushed for another 1,600 yards. He's won the uh, the D16A Texas State Championship two times, and in those games, he won the MVP both times. I mean, you guys have seen his highlights. He's unbelievable. You know, I- I'm saying he's he's one inch away from being a five star. Uh, you know, they have him on the height, but uh, a lot of people are like, I think he's going to be a five star at this point next year. Maybe if he hits a growth spurt, um, if he grows an inch or two, I don't see it if he doesn't um, just because, you know, those variables are very much uh, contributing to 
uh, composite rankings. But those are awesome statistics. That's awesome. They played those games at Jerry World. That gets me excited. But you you know what else gets me excited? There were more fans in attendance at that 6A D1 title game than the majority of the bowl games that were played at the conclusion of the 2019 college football season. So, I mean, you know, there's like 70 bowl games these days. <laughs> and uh, there were f- almost 50,000 fans there. 47,000 fans showed up at Jerry World at AT&T Stadium uh, on December 21st. And uh, it was more than 27 bowl games. The attendance was more than 27 bowl games up to that point. So this guy is ready for the big time. He was the MVP of that game in front of 50K at Jerry World. That's like bigger than most games played in the state of North Carolina. You don't get 50K at Keenan Stadium. You don't get 50K at at BB&T Field or Carter-Finley. I I guess you do at Carter-Finley sometimes. But you don't get that at Wallace Wade. Uh, yeah, this guy's ready for the big time, and that gets me excited. But the last thing, the last thing that really gets me fired up is how freaking excited this guy is to be a Hokie. He was at the Under Armour Future 50 where all these uh, recruits from 2021 all gathered, and they asked him about Virginia Tech, and he's just like, well, I just don't feel like I should be at any other school. That's the guy you want under center, Colin Snaps, and leading your team. And I know we got a long way to go to get him on campus, but I could not be more excited for this double D guy because he's going to be a star. He is uh, he is a very dynamic talent, and I tell you, one of the most special that I've seen in a long, long time, especially one who is committed to Virginia Tech. Um, I will say, though, boys, uh, I hate to play devil's advocate i was talking to my granddad shout out uh carlisle jr there and uh he seems to think that demetrius may never step foot onto virginia tech's campus as a student athlete he believes that maybe somewhere down the line he may get plucked from a bigger school um i could see that I can see that he still has his entire senior year ahead of him. Who, who, who there's no telling if he gets that FISA or not. Pat, I think you're right, though. I think that uh, given his height, um, that that FISA may may not come to fruition. But uh, I could see it. I could see him having a change of heart. I love what he said. I love that he. I love that he can't see himself anywhere else, and that's that he thinks it's a great fit. I, I am over the moon. I hope that Demetrius Davis is a Virginia Tech Hokie and that his commitment is is tried and true. Um, but there are people who, I, not just my granddad, but who have expressed concern. Oh, is this kid going to stick around? Whatever. That's just something I want to throw out there. That's just something I want to throw out there. Yeah, I, I appreciate I appreciate the throw, but I think this guy I think this guy is maroon and orange. I think he's doing he's even doing a good job of recruiting others. Um, speaking to Tony Grimes, I think this guy is committed. I think that this guy is fired up. I think this guy wants to be a hokey, and yeah, I, th- I think that's more of uh, and it's understandable because we've gotten burnt on this before. But I think it's more kind of managing your expectations than it is. Um, than it is actually being rooted in reality. And I think every sign and every uh, 
and every signal is that he's fired up to be here and he's actively trying to get others to join him. So um, that's kind of where I where I stand on that. Um, as we kind of talk about, I'm you know, here for it. Oh, I mean, I think we're all here for it without a doubt. Um, I think uh, another thing that we're looking to talk about here is we're talking about the young talent that hasn't put pen to paper yet. Um, Pat, talk to us a little bit about the folks that were working on scout team, were uh, participating in Big Squat Friday. There's a lot of talent from this 2019 class that has yet to be heard from and is going to more than likely be having their fingerprints all over next year's season, and we're fired up about that as well. Yeah, so as as we've been talking about, uh, you know, pretty much ad nauseum at this point is that Tech returns 21 of 22 starters, including Oscar Bradburn and JPR, John Parker Romo. Shout out to the leg kicking JPR and Brian Johnson. Also, we didn't talk about that. He hit a 54 yarder. That's Huge. a career long. That's absurd. And I really feel for the guy because that is extremely overlooked in this big loss. Um, so, Brian, pat on the back for you, man. That was sick. We were freaking out at Starboard about that 54-yarder. That was awesome. But um, I think back to the 2019 recruiting night at Arlington Cinema Draft House with Justin Hamilton, who had been thrown right into it uh, two days' notice after Holman Wiggins was supposed to do it, and he got hired by Nick Saban. Uh, Mr. Hamilton was raving about this 2019 class, and he did such a good good job talking about these recruits coming in you know if you think about our 2019 guys who already have made an immediate impact it's guys like brian hudson uh doug nestor tavian robinson i mean those guys came in and have taken the bull by the horns already but there's still a ton of other guys that you know might be in the two deep might be in the three deep and just need you know a little bit of a, a full spring of development need need those uh extensive big squat Fridays, you know, need to, uh, you know, kind of come into their own and understand uh, the playbook. I'm thinking about guys like Jaden Payute, who was one of the highest rated guys in the class. Uh, Elijah Bowick, Ebo, they call him. He's a wide out. Uh, two linebackers, Amari Barno and Dean Ferguson. Barno's 6'6". Uh, he, I know he's 6'6", 220 when he came in. I'm sure he's filled out a little bit and he's going to have an entire spring to develop. Uh, you know, would love to see him develop a similar frame to Tremaine Edmonds. Obviously, that is a, a lot to ask <laughs> for, uh, especially after watching Tremaine ball out uh, on Saturday in the NFL playoffs. Uh, we got two safeties in J.R. Walker and Nike, Nike Hawkins, um, who will look to fill the absence of Reggie Floyd and, uh, you know, compete with Devin Hunter uh, and Devon Diablo. Jacoby Pinckney is a guy that I have been really excited about. He's from Dorman High School in South Carolina. And um, he's got that 6'4 frame. Kind of reminds me of a Justin Harper or Jarrett Boykin type receiver. Really hoping that Jacoby Pinckney wears number 81. Um, he seems like, you know, really have that uh, wide receiver swagger. Um, so hopefully, <laughs> you know, we, we get him on the field next year. And then uh, you know, another 2019 guy uh, who was a... I believe he was a JUCO guy, uh, Breon Murray. I mean, he had an interception in the Belk Bowl. Love to see him burst on the scene there. And he's got, uh, you know, a high ceiling. And last but not least, and, you know, we're going to be talking about this guy the entire offseason, 
But uh, the, the young stud from La Jolla, California, Braxton Burmeister, Oregon transfer. He's got some high expectations, former four-star, dual threat. And, uh, you know, for me, whoever is the best quarterback, let him play. Let him start September 5th. And uh, I'm excited. I'm really excited about these guys. Really I mean, excited. like, how how sweet would it be to have a starting quarterback from Cali? <laughs> I think. No, I mean, I, I've heard oh, Burmeister. Man. I've heard please, Burmeister. Please continue to listen to Sons of Saturday, even though you just had to listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm. I uh, well, hey, shout out to John Cranham who says I sound like a surfer, dude. So <laughs> there you go. I'm. I'm only. I'm only reinforcing that. You're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome, Mr. Cranham. Um, that one was for you, but uh, I've heard a lot of great things about Burmeister, so it'll be interesting. Hooker, you know, he's our he's our guy right now, so I'm all open for competition. I'm so excited about the young guys. Um, stamp that too. That's Bill, what, what do you what? I, I was I'm so excited. I was, I was just gonna say, um, I think I think what what what's really exciting is a lot of people are talking about. Well, everybody, all these starters are coming back. Everybody's coming back. Well. This is going to be a extremely important spring, more so than probably springs ago. It's one of the more important springs that we have coming up. Is there's so much young talent and there's so much talent in the one and two deep that we haven't even seen. As you mentioned, Brock will be back. The younger offensive line will be better. Um, all of these young players you just mentioned, Pat, have been have been developing all year. Uh, and there's going to be an open competition at quarterback that Henton has welcomed uh, going into 2020. So there's going to be a lot, a lot of work to be done. And uh, iron sharpens iron. And I think as we continue to bring in talented guys, they're going to push the guys that are ahead of them, learn from the guys that are ahead of them. And the strength coaches are going to do an excellent job molding them into the next kind of wave of players that are that are on the way pat you have something else for me i mean you guys saw caleb farley's tweet the other day Ooh. let me pull it up Ooh. if you don't have twitter we we talk about twitter a lot on this uh this podcast if you don't have twitter don't have what are twitter, you doing come on you're probably you're probably very annoyed by by <laughs> us because we just keep talking and talking and talking caleb farley you could follow him at i am caleb farley you're welcome caleb he says <laughs> he says I see a lot of talent coming in this year. Ooh. I'm going to be on the young guy's ass all offseason. But you all remember, I still love you when you will hate me. Exclamation point. Uh, emoji on emoji. Top emoji. Soon emoji. Ooh. And then this man's mentions are just blowing up. We got everyone freaking out. Caleb Farley is the leader that we need in this DBU, in this LPD. And he's only going to get these guys better. So if you are on that D block, if you are in that defensive back room, you have a fearless leader, Mr. Farley. Because that guy was a wide receiver coming in, and he knew nothing about the position. And look how talented he is on that field. Look how skilled he is at the cornerback position in just a matter of two years. He's only going to get these guys better and push them hard. Where's uh where's Henry Scutt with that picture of DJ Khaled looking to the side and saying turn that up? Cause, 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 by the way, that's another thing you see on Twitter. So if you're not on Twitter, you should probably get on Twitter. Hokey Twitter is a what what a time. 
That's all I got to say. <laughs> what a time. What a what a group of people. I, I've always wanted to like somehow organize some like hokey Twitter cookout or something. Like, boys, tell me tell me that would not be the greatest thing of all time. Oh, I, well, we got a we got a Beth Barnes question in letters from the lunch pill that we can kind of address that. So we'll uh we'll get to that. As, all right, okay. All right. As Caleb Farley is holding the next wave of Virginia Tech football accountable. New Year's is typically the time where you throw in some resolutions, talk about what you're going to do in 2020, and and, on, and often, you know what, we fall short of those goals. But you know what, fellas, and you know what, people on the other side of this podcast, this 2020 is a decade of, of doing, of getting the job done, of seeing it through, okay? So what are we resolutionizing in 2020? Pat, hit me with that resolutionary. 20, so 2010, let's let's backtrack. 2010, the beginning of a new decade, we won an ACC title. So maybe we can kind of do that again here, maybe. But anywho, uh, 2020, Bruce Springsteen is going on a tour. People are talking about it being maybe his last tour ever. Well, guess what? I've never heard that before. <laughs> I'm going to try to go to as many Bruce shows as I can, assuming assuming and this is a big assuming that he freaking would announce his tour already i mean if he's going to tour during football season we are going to have some serious issues like serious issues like myself bruce and section five are going to just have like the ultimate venn diagram of (laughs) like where the heck do i go i it Invent the future. We're going to need someone to clone me if I'm going to have to be at a, a Bruce show and the Penn State game at the same time. Um, obviously, I'm choosing the Penn State game. But, uh, yeah, if, if you know if he's playing at, at MetLife, if he's playing at The Link, if he's playing at M&T Bank, FedEx Field, if he's playing at the new Mercedes-Benz Dome down where Bill lives, I'm going. I'm jumping in. I'm buying, I'm buying entry, and I'm rocking out to Born to Run and thunder road so yeah my, my resolution is to go as many to uh, as many bruce shows as i can <laughs> my uh my resolutions that that's by the way pat that's a great resolution uh you were born to run my friend <laughs> see what i did there um <laughs> uh i'm full of them people Anyway, um that's that's why i work in show business anyway um my New Year's resolution is to eat better and exercise more. Uh, my senior year of college kind of did myself in. Spent a few too many nights at Sharky's, <laughs> ate a few too many California burgers, a few too many bottomless wings on Sunday. That buffet will get you, man. And uh, I haven't really lost that weight. I've, I've lost some of it, but not all of it. And uh, I do. You want to lose 20 pounds in 2020. And to go along with that, I also want to be uh, a lot more consistent or as consistent with my YouTube channel as I am with the Sons of Saturday. So if I could do those two things in 2020, I think uh, that would make for a great, great year. Bill, what are your New Year's resolutions? Pat's got to just be licking his chops over here as the two uh, as the two tub tubs over here talking about losing twenty pounds and this dude's running marathons. But look, Grayson, I'm not uh, I'm not piggybacking on your deal here. Twenty twenty is the year 
So the heaviest I ever was is I was 320 pounds, went to the doctor. They were like, you're going to die if you don't stop eating healthy. And I was like, all right, I guess I need to start doing that. I uh, got down to around 367 is the lightest that I've been since. Um, 267? 267. 267. I said, what did I say, 67? Said, you said 367. Oh, God, I was like, no. you gained God, 57 no. No, no, pounds. No, 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 no. 267 <laughs> is the lightest that I've been, and I kind of let it go. Football season, you know, um, you know how that goes. So I'm finally going to get down. I need to be 250, 245, so 20 pounds by – I'm hoping by the end of quarter one, I started keto dosiosis today. Uh, no carbohydrates. I don't know how, I don't know how it works. Uh, I watched a couple of Tim Tebow videos and listened to a couple of um, couple of strength coaches trying to get it trying to get it right. So we're starting the keto diet today, um, but I will lose the twenty. Hold me accountable if uh, you see a Twitter picture of me on the timeline or, or on the gram and I'm looking a little ch- uh, look, looking a little chubby. Hey, call me out on it. Twenty pounds in 2020, 2020 vision. Time to time to handle business. Um, but other than that, we'll hold each other accountable, Bill. Absolutely. We'll hold each other accountable. Absolutely. And one more that I have here, um, and I'll sh- and I'll sneak a shout out in here. I want to see some more SEC football. I want to see I want to see Auburn. I want to see Bama again. I want to go to Texas A and M. And I'll tell you where I'm going to be this fall, fellas. There's this guy. Um, his name's Chris Partridge. He uh, used to coach young whooper snapper Billy Ray, and I, I believe I believe one guy in this podcast was lobbying for him to be the defensive coordinator in Blacksburg. Well, Chris Partridge, New Jersey's finest, has been signed, sealed, and delivered to the Oxford Rebels. Your boy will be wearing all of the powder blue of the SEC type acular. Um, they have some great gear. Another Nike school, a great place to go. Uh, I can't wait to head down to the Grove. My pops has been texting all of his alumni buddies from the Steve Sloan era. Hey, the new coach, we got to get down to the Grove, throw back some Michelob Ultras. So we're going to be headed down <laughs> to the Grove. Hopefully y'all too can make it down. But uh, I am I got to go see some Ole Miss football next year. Super excited for uh, Coach Partridge and um, and DJ Durkin will be working the uh, defensive coordinator, co-defensive coordinator role. So two tie-ins there. Shout out to Chris Durkin and shout out to Russ Mitchell and Ole Miss. So we're uh, we're excited about that, um, fellas and Felinas. As we come to the end of this podcast, we have had unbelievable responses for the letters of the lunch pail. And we want to, as we said, we've been saving some from earlier in the season and um, we want to answer all of your questions. So what we're going to do here is answer the ones pertinent to what's going on right now. You need answers. We got the answers. We're not afraid to answer your questions. But we're going to get to the ones that are important. Um, so Pat, lead us into this uh, into this letters of the lunch pail. And I believe you have some news from our partners at PMSI. Is that correct? Oh, PMSI, Pest Management Services Inc. Operated. They are bringing you letters from the lunch pail. They also help bring you basketball tickets. We will be uh, we'll be giving away some ACC basketball tickets here over the next few months. So, hey, we talked about Twitter. Get on Twitter if you're not on Twitter because that's where we do these special giveaways. If you didn't listen to the uh, the first half of this podcast, we give away Sharky's gift cards on Twitter. So get on Twitter. Um, that being said, PMSI. If you have some unwanted creatures, critters, rats, ghouls, uh, ghosts, any, anything that is crawling around your 
basement, your living room, your bathroom, your microwave, your cabinets, your shelves, your garbage cans, flies, crickets, whatever. (laughs) Get them out of there. Call PMSI. PMSI is the official partner of Virginia Tech Athletics. They are the official partner of the Capitals, the Wizards, the Skins, the Ravens, proudly serving Virginia, West Virginia, and Western Maryland. If you're up in the Western Maryland area, if you're up in the Virginia area, Ashburn, Winchester, Blacksburg, and Fairmont, West Virginia, call them up. PMSI will get those vermins out. They will throw those cockroaches in the trash and then take the trash with them and dispose it. So give them a call. Check them out on Twitter. Check them out on the webs. They're bringing us the letters from the launch pail. And we will kick it off here. First letter of the launch pail. Beth Barnes. We're going to jump straight to the Beth Barnes. Beth Barnes had some really fun questions for us. Beth Barnes always crushes the questions, and uh, we had to answer these, and we'll, everything else will be Belk Bowl-related, but these are just awesome questions. So, number one, of all current Hokie football players, which ones have the best social media presence? All right. Goes without saying Trey Turner, but after Trey. <laughs> and you guys, might, you guys might have some others. I'm sure you do. Go ahead. Oh, was going to go with Trey. Uh, Reggie's a great follow as well. Caleb's a great follow as well. Um, oh man, I don't know. Give me a second. Who is mine? It? Mine is Dax Hollifield. Dax yes. Hollifield, when he is tweeting, uh, not during football season, you won't catch him on, on Twitter during football season, but when he is tweeting in the off season, that man's got some funny tweets and he'll respond to you and stuff like that. He's a, he's a goofball. Um, that's that he's, he's definitely up there with Trey Turner for sure. And if you didn't see, uh, this was a, a year or two ago, Dax Hollifield did an Instagram stream of him trying to do the Benny's challenge. He tried to eat all eight slices of a Benny's pie in one sitting. He had all the football guys out there. I think it was like during Easter weekend or something and no one was around. It was absolutely hilarious. Dax, if you're listening, man, go ahead and do it again. I want to see you down all eight slices. I'm going to go with Oscar Bradburn as my favorite follow. Oscar Bradburn has toned it down a little bit on the social medias, but definitely a great follow. Um, <laughs> definitely a great follow. Love, uh, love following Oscar. Also love following Terrell Smith. Super encouraging, super positive. Yes. Just, uh, just, uh, just, just Juice. always, always. Juice is always is always coming with positivity, and that's uh, that's definitely a plus. Um, question number two from Beth Barnes. You get one more W before the apocalypse. Who's the opponent? Grayson. You get one more W before the apocalypse. Jeez, you know, it's it's got to be it's got to be UVA. It's it's I feel like it's got to be. Uh and if it's not UVA, I would say the runner up to that is Man, there was nothing like beating Ohio State. I'd love to beat Ohio State again. So it's it's a toss-up between UVA, just for rivalry's sake, and just rubbing it in the last time before the world blows up we beat you, or Ohio State, one of the two. Pat? Oh, this one's easy for me. Penn State. This Penn State game coming up is – I am so freaking – 
there's a lot on the line here. I, you know, everyone from my hometown went to Penn State, and they're so annoying. <laughs> James Franklin, blah blah blah. Let's let's poach all your recruits, and let's you know go ten and two every year. We're never gonna win the Big Ten. We're never gonna make the playoff. Ah, oh, it would be awesome if we beat Penn State. Go ahead, Bill. Uh, I guess it. I guess it comes down to when the apocalypse comes. Uh, if it was you know next year, I'd love to. I'd love to go out beating Clemson just because Clemson is is kind of the gold standard right now in the in the ACC. But in terms of just teams that I can't stand, I mean, you guys both nailed them. Ohio State can't stand them. Penn State can't stand them. Uh, USC can't really stand them either. Um, so any one of those blue blood teams, uh, I would take a I would take a W over before the apocalypse and and uh, the number three. Beth Barnes question here in the trilogy. Will the Suns host or at least participate in a gathering during the spring game weekend? We have some plans that are being currently ironed out, uh, potentially in the um, in the food consuming and uh, interview listening space um, where good friends go. But just keep a uh, just put a put a put 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 a little. Uh, note under your pillow. Put a little uh, chapter. What are those things that you used to put in your book when you read the book and you wanted to save your spot? Bookmark. Put a little bookmark on well, that. What do you mean? That's oh man, Bill. Bill's clearly not a big reader, guys. <laughs> I read off my Kindle, dog. <laughs> uh, I don't okay, read yeah, often, but when I read, yeah. it's off my Kindle. <laughs> I see. Well, I, I will. I will. I do want to comment on this. Um, Pat and Bill will most certainly be there, right? Um, right now, I'm not sure if I'm going to be at the spring game. Uh, I'm actually going to New Orleans the weekend before to celebrate my little brother's 21st birthday. And it's a question of will I be able to get the following Thursday and Friday off to come home from Los Angeles? Believe me, I'd love to be there to hang out with the sons of Saturday and to hang out with all the other daughters and other sons of Saturday, all, all of our followers. That'd be so much fun, but uh, we're working on that one right now. Completely agree. Um, let's rattle through the, these last questions here. Um, Daniel Moxley, your opinion of the Cargate tech players allegedly breaking into Bowden's car. Um, I have no idea. Uh, I haven't, um, have any of you gone out to investigate the, 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 the car gate? I don't, I don't know if I, if I believe a lot of the things <laughs> That Lynn Bowden says, um, there, I don't know if there's a police report out or whatever. Uh, I, I find it very difficult to to believe. I actually find it to be completely asinine that Virginia Tech players would break into anybody's car. Um, do you guys? Why have did any he thoughts? drive? Why did he drive? Uh, a lot That's of the like- player, a lot of the players drove because after the bowl game, typically you you fly home, and uh, if you live close enough, they actually will, will give you per diem to drive home. So. Wow, you learn something new every day. Learn something there's, new. Ne- there's negative chance that any tech player no broke into Lynn Bowden's cow. How do you uh, know what they're – how do you, How do we know what – like how do our players even know what he drives? There's like, negative chance that guy is just gasping for more attention. Shut up, yeah. Lynn Bowden. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up, guy! Oh wow, this brings us into our next question Gil- submitted by Coastal Chaos Season, which is hilarious. Coastal Chaos Season, is there an an opponent college player you have hated more than the quarterback for Kentucky? Grayson, you're a lover. You're Mister Positivity. Um, if you're capable of the feeling of hate, 
who who could you have possibly hated more than Lynn Bowden? Well, first off, okay, I'll say this. Probably a really, really nice guy. He seems very classy in interviews. But if you're going to beat my Hokies and you're a UVA player, I have to hate you. Bryce Perkins, I hate you. I hate you so much. You ended the streak, so I have to hate you. Probably really nice. You know, I love, you know, Bill and Pat, they love this guy. They love him. They think he's, he hung the moon. That's great. I don't like you because you beat my Hokies. Sorry. You ended the streak. I don't really, I don't really like you that much. So you hate him. You hate him. I, yeah, kinda. <laughs> I, 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 I kind of hate him. Kind of hate him, Jay. Right. So uh, I, I would say, I, I would say, a runner-up to that would be uh, wasn't wasn't a huge fan of um, wasn't a huge fan of Michael Thomas for Ohio State. After what he did to Kendall Fuller, don't really like him. So, um, yeah, good boys, Pat. Who, who do you hate? Uh, I wasn't a huge Ja'Cory Harris guy. Uh, I wasn't a huge EJ Manuel guy. I didn't hate him. I hate is a strong word. I, I don't like the uh, the the Lynn Bowden guy. And uh, I'm just gonna move on here, Bill. Who do you dislike? I'm going to say this. I don't I, – I'm with you there. A couple guys that I don't like. I didn't love LeGarrette Blunt. He punched that guy on that blue field. I mean, blue field combined with assault is never a, a good a good one-two <laughs> punch there. Ooh, no pun intended. Ooh, nice. <laughs> so, pun. so I didn't – But that, I, was, that was hilarious. But the question was opponent college player. Oh, well – So keep, keep that in mind. Um, then I can't – I can't really think of one. I guess I really, I didn't like this Lynn Bowden character. I, I, I wasn't, I, I was not a fan at all. Um, uh, yeah, I can't, I can't think of one that I, I, I strongly disliked like that. I didn't love, oh. I didn't. Ryan Switzer from UNC. Ooh, hate him. I don't Ryan hate him. Switzer. I don't him. Hate him. Wow. Hate him. Hope you're listening, Ryan. Hate you. He's not listening. <laughs> yeah, I'll throw, I'll throw some in here. Uh, any any quarterback who has played for Georgia Tech and beat us over the past you know five or so years. Fair. Um, Fair. That's, any that's offensive warranted. lineman chop blocking our defensive lineman. Okay. Oh, I uh, Matt Ryan for 07. Dead to me. Oh, okay. Yep. Matt Matt Ryan for 07. I hate you. Never never will for. I cried. You made me cry. You made you made a you made a ten year old cry. Any how, other how, ones how do you did. feel? How do you feel about that, Matt Ryan? You have any? All ones? right. Um, I think we're done. I think we're done before this gets heated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, next. <laughs> did our next defense play scared from Gilbert Gallego? Um, <laughs> I mean, no. I, I don't think our defense played scared. I think. Uh, I don't think they were scared. Um, I don't even know. How to, uh, did you guys think they were scared? I don't think no. they were scared. I don't. I don't think that they were scared. If you asked, did R D play well? The answer is no. I so. think. I, I. I think. I think. I mentioned earlier. Earlier, I think you just got to give a lot of credit to Lynn Bowden. The guy's super talented. He played really well. Like he punched our guys, and then he came out and he 
and he played, played him again. He played really yeah. well, you know. Like <laughs> that's him on a green field. That's what it. Uh, that's what it came down to. Um, does Number two? Does QP hit the portal? No, we're no, we're, we're in no position to answer that question. But regardless, I don't think he's going anywhere. So again, I like to I like mm-hmm. to go based upon what we what what we what we have to work with here. And he's given you no reason to think that he would. Um, he's been ultra supportive of his teammates. Teammates have been ultra supportive of him. Um, so you know, uh, I don't know what he's thinking. Uh, if I had to guess or or infer. Um, I'd say no. I don't think so. I think he's. I think he likes where he's at. I think he's. I think he's working extremely hard, and um, we just got to find a way to get him on the field. He's one of the most athletic and talented people. Whether it is a quarterback or another position, you have to. We got to find a way to get him on the field. Um, what is the Number one three. thing? <laughs> Go ahead, Pat. Number three. What is the one thing we'll be talking about right before the spring game? Oh, easy. Everyone's going to be saying, uh, the Suns are giving away free stickers in lot one. The Suns are interviewing people at Sharkies. That's what people are going to be saying. The, we're going to be the talk of the town, boys. And the, everyone's <laughs> going to be talking about Braxton Burmeister. Yes. I'm just telling you right now, 100%. everyone and their mother is going to be like, ooh, Braxton. Ooh, Braxton. Did you see him? Did you see him? He ooh, looks great California. Ooh, Braxton. <laughs> He's got a strong jaw. Ooh, he's going to be the quarterback. What's going to happen? Um, yeah, he's going to get a lot of ear play, and uh, I guess we'll we'll see what happens. But it's anyone's game going to spring. That's how Fuente likes to do it. Guys, I think that about uh, I think that about wraps her up. The last one we got here is Jack Pollard. Talk about the fumble that never was. Um, sure, I'll talk about it. That sucked. Um, <laughs> you know, there's not much else. <laughs> Not much else to say about it, you know. It, uh, we could talk about that. We could talk about how horrible college officiating and pro pro officiating has been also brutal. been terrible. The last three weeks. Horrible. I mean, like, uh, what is going on? Why, Taylor Taylor Twelman? What is what is the matter? What is going on? We need to. I mean, I, I like. I know. I know they didn't call our game, but just a uh, shout out to the ACC refs because every single one of you shouldn't have a job, honestly. Like, Do you hate them? Shouldn't be repped. Are they your least favorite? Oh opponent? yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? Because in some games, Bill, they have been our opponent. So yes, yes, I do hate the ACC officiating team. I just don't understand how they're able to do what they do. So I digress. Fre- but, um, as you as you digress, um, friends, family, it has been uh, a ton of fun in 2019 with y'all. Starting 2020 off here uh hope you enjoyed it couple couple last things for you you may have noticed on uh we talked about twitter a lot on instagram send us pics of you rocking the merch you get a shout out you go on the highlight i'm not sure if you guys are big on the gram but there are these little highlight deals with three on the highlight shout you out plug your account regardless send us pics of you rocking the merch anybody have any shout outs sunsaturday.com if you don't have it go get it baby uh, shout out to Rutgers for hiring Greg Schiano and also hiring uh, Sean Gleason as offensive coordinator. Uh, Gleason coached at my high school long ago before he went to Princeton and before he coached under Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State. Uh, pretty excited to see Rutgers football kind of rise from the ashes here. Uh, oh, so no I'm pun sure. intended. Yeah, right? <laughs> Chris Ash, see you later. Um <laughs> That's good. That's good. That was definitely not intended. 
Um, Bill, I'm sure you stamped that as well. Keep chopping wood for Rutgers sure. football. We play them in 2023 and 2024. Would love those games to be exciting because, uh, you know, the the Mike Teal, Brian Leonard, and Ray Rice days are uh, they're definitely over. Shout out to my cousin Lindsay Crotis. Moved her into her apartment in beautiful Memphis. Um, going to coach softball at the University of Memphis, where she was the player of the year in the NCAA. Um, at superstar stud, the best athlete of uh, this generation of Mitchells, without a question. Uh, you are a superstar. Shout out to Lindsay starting her life in Memphis. Go Tigers! Uh, earn your straps. Shout out to the roots of Coach Fuente uh, in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, also, shout out again to Chris Partridge of the Ole Miss Rebels. It is an Ole Miss first down. Kate w- can't wait to head down to Oxford and consume some Oxford footballery and uh, Oxford Oxford uh, alcoholery. Um, that's going to be a ton of fun. At the Grove, maybe. Other than that, fellas, it's been a ton of fun. We will be back next week. We will talk to you soon. And other than that, go Hokies. We're going to miss football, but it's Mike Young season, baby. Let's load up the, let's load up the bandwagon. Big things only in 2020, boys.